Hi, welcome to Bible Party. My name is Shelby Roberts and I'm your host. This is a Bible study podcast and we are getting ready to dive into Hebrews 1 and 2 today. If you haven't already listened to the other podcasts I recorded before this, there are three introductory podcasts um, for Hebrews that if you go back and listen to those, it will really give you understanding and background to the whole book. And it really is important to listen to those. Also, um, if you haven't read Hebrews 1 and 2, I encourage you to pause this right now and go and read chapter 1 and 2 of Hebrews because this will make so much more sense if you've read it ahead of time. So this podcast is meant to be a Bible study to follow along with and I believe it will be a great blessing to you. So, so today we're talking about chapters 1 and 2. Hebrews, the whole book, is all about Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And if you've listened to the other podcasts, you know this group of this is a group of Christians that this book is to who are Jews who were convert, converted from Judaism, born and raised in it. They were used to having to go through a priest to get to God. And then Jesus, the Messiah, came and it changed everything. And because of the severe persecution that was happening under Nero's rule of the Roman Empire at that time, they were thinking that it would be easier to retreat and go back to Judaism because Judaism was not illegal. It was illegal to be a Christian, but they could go back to just being Jews. But um, to do that, they would have to deny that Jesus was the Son of God and the Messiah. So in chapter 1, verse 1 of Hebrews, it says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So let's break that down. Long ago, meaning under the old covenant, under the law of Moses, before Jesus came and gave us the new. And it says, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So we have several books in the Old Testament that are books of prophecy. And there are some prophets that we just hear about in other books, like Moses, he was a prophet, Elijah, Elisha, Nathan, Samuel, and there are others. And then we have actual prophetic books. And it's also important to note that the Bible is not arranged in chronological order. It's more arranged according to genre. So in the Old Testament, we have the Torah, the first five books, or the Pentateuch, also known as the Law of Moses. Um, We have historical books, poetic books and prophetic books. And the prophetic books are divided into two groups, the major prophets and the minor prophets. And the only thing that makes them major or minor is how long they are. So for a moment, I just wanna focus on the actual prophetic books. And fun fact, Obadiah is the first one chronologically, and it is also the shortest. It only has 22 verses. Okay, so the prophetic books give solemn warnings to the Israelites, for to, for the most part, to the Israelites. And these books tell them what's going to happen to them as a result of their sin and disobedience and worship of other gods. They also tell of Jesus, the coming Messiah, the Savior, and not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. The prophets tell of a new covenant. They tell us about the virgin birth and the death and resurrection of Jesus and what that means for the world. The prophets tell about the millennial reign and the judgment and the second coming of Jesus and the end of the ages. So there's a lot in the books of the prophets. 
but I want to hone in on one particular prophet that I haven't mentioned yet, and his name is David. Not only was David a prophet and a king, but God made a covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, and said his throne would be established forever and that Jesus would come from his lineage. The apostle Peter refers to David as a prophet in Acts chapter 2 when he's giving his sermon on the day of Pentecost when he's addressing the people of Israel. Um, you can go and, and read it. I would highly encourage you to. It's it's very exciting. And um, he's talking, starting in verse 22 through 31, and I'm not going to read it, but again, he quotes David in the Psalms and um, calls him a prophet. And really, there's so much prophecy in the book of Psalms. I just got done uh, with a study in Psalms, and I could not believe how... Um, how much prophetic text was in there, um, not only from David, but from Asaph and, and others as well. So the apostle Peter in Acts chapter two is addressing the people of Israel and, and uh, confirms that David was a prophet. There in chapter one here in Hebrews, there are so many quotations of prophecy in, um, in the book of Psalms. And so in nearly all the quotations in this first chapter are tied to the Davidic covenant because it not only quotes Psalms, but we see quotes from second Samuel and first Chronicles and second Chronicles and, um, and maybe some others. So when you're reading, stop and look up those references and it just gives confirmation. And in Revelation chapter 5, verses 2 through 5, it says this. This is the Apostle John talking. He said, And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on the scroll and open it? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And so I think it's really interesting and even very significant how many times the writer of Hebrews is quoting David's prophecies in chapter one. And for you who like to look things up and search it out for yourself, I would highly encourage you to um, just verify Psalms 27, Psalms 89, 6, Psalm 104, 4, Psalm 45, 6, and 7, Psalm 102, 25 through 27, Psalm 110, verse 1. And those are just some of them. And then he tells us after Jesus made purification for our sins, says he sat down at the right hand of the father, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. There's a lot about angels in here because um, the people of the, the Jews held angels in high regard. 
that um, was part of their their life. And so here they are questioning whether or not they need to stick with Christianity or if they should go back to Judaism because it's it's getting really hard. The persecution is becoming really great. And so they're like, you know, they're asking, are you know, is Jesus really greater than the angels? Is Jesus really greater than the high priest that we had in Judaism? And so they're facing some of these questions, and the writer of Hebrews is addressing these things and establishing his case as he's making his appeal. And it says in Philippians 2, 9 through 11, Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and bestowed on him, Jesus, the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I love it that he puts that in there. Under the earth is included. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And not only does the right hand speak a favor, but it also uh, speaks of a place of honor and authority. And the writer is reminding them, the writer of Hebrews is reminding them that Jesus is God. He's God and he is superior to angels. Being seated at the right hand of God, he is equal to God, greater than the angels. And the Jews, like I said, held angels in high esteem. They're very much a part of their history. They brought messages from God. They appeared in different forms. And and we know an angel was involved at Mount Sinai, the giving of the law to Moses which is a really big thing for the Jews and the the law of Moses is the foundation of their beliefs. So he's saying, yes, angels are great, but Jesus is greater. Angels are created beings. They're messengers that God sends out to do his work. They obey his command and angels worship God, not the other way around. And we see in Revelation where an angel appeared to the apostle John and John fell down and started to worship him. And he said, no, 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 no. Do not worship me. Worship God who sent me. And so also in verse six of chapter one in Hebrews, it says again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. The firstborn. In the Old Testament, the firstborn had a place of prominence, a birthright. The birthright belonged to the firstborn, and he was to have all the authority in the family passed down to him. And so Jesus is the firstborn. In 1 Peter 3.22, it says, Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Jesus has all authority, all power. It's all been subjected unto him. He's greater than the angels. So just for a brief time, it says, when Jesus, who is the word, referring back to John 1, Um, where it says in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God says when Jesus, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he was made a little lower than the angels when he um, humbled himself and became a man, but not anymore. He's not lower than the angels anymore. And then in chapter two of Hebrews, 
he admonishes them to pay closer attention to what they've heard so that they don't drift away from it. Drifting is a slow and subtle process. That's what's dangerous about it. Sometimes you don't even realize that it's happening. And he, yes, he is talking to the Hebrews and admonishing them, but this also applies to us and this is something we can really take to heart. We can start to drift away from the truth when we start compromising. We can start drifting, drifting away from the truth slowly but surely when we start entertaining different thoughts here and there. We have to be alert and awake and paying attention and staying devoted and committed to the word and to sound doctrine. Be careful not to take away from the word and not to add to it. Stick to the word. Be rooted and grounded in it and committed to sound doctrine. Be on guard against drifting away because it can be subtle. And then he warns them of the seriousness of neglecting or turning away from the gift of salvation that Jesus has given us. He's saying, this is a serious thing, guys. Don't neglect what Jesus has done. When you neglect something, you make light of it. When you neglect something, you are not considering it of great value or great importance. And the cost, that the price that Jesus paid for our freedom and for our relationship with God and for our salvation and everything that he provided along with that, that was expensive for him. He gave his life. And so for, he's saying for you to neglect that, that's a serious, serious thing. Listen, people, you're risking losing your salvation is what he's saying to them. And then he says, listen, it's been proven. The Lord told us he was coming through the prophets. Jesus himself prophesied about himself through David. And then it was testified to us by those who saw him and heard him. And we were witnesses of him and everything that he did. And that's not all. He proved himself by these signs and wonders and miracles, all this amazing stuff that he did. And then there's the gifts of the Holy Spirit that he distributed to people according to his will. And so God didn't put everything under the authority under angels feet and give them all authority only Jesus has all authority and the writer says the writer of Hebrews says by the grace of God (laughs) let's think about his amazing grace by the grace of God Jesus tasted death for everyone okay remember these people are on the verge of retreat And he's telling them, listen, Jesus tasted death for you. No more sacrifices have to be made because they were considering going back to the old sacrificial system. And he's saying, don't you dare. Jesus tasted death for you. No more sacrifices need to be made. Just praise and thanksgiving now. Colossians 1.16 says that God created all things through Jesus Christ. So Jesus is our creator. And he is the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And he saw it fitting to rescue you. He saw it fitting to rescue us and to be the founder of our our salvation by becoming the perfect sacrifice 
and giving his own life for ours. And in the old system, established in the old covenant, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies once a year to sacrifice and make atonement for the sins of the people, but not just for the sins of the people, for his own sins as well, because he was not sinless. He had sins that needed to be forgiven as well. And he was only allowed, he was the only one, the high priest was the only one allowed past that curtain or past that veil in the Holy of Holies. And when he went in there, that high priest had to be completely clean and perfect when he went in there or he would die. Remember, God is holy. As I talked a little bit about in the introduction podcast um, about Leviticus, one of the introduction videos or podcasts that I did for Hebrews, I talked about Leviticus because it's key in understanding Hebrews. There's so much in there. Um, I talked a little bit about how it says over and over, God is ho- be holy for God is holy. And then that's repeated many times in the New Testament. So it applies. And things that were unholy and unclean could never touch, could never come in contact with God who is holy and clean. And they always had to be completely separate. And so that's why Jesus coming is huge because he paid the price for us and he made us clean and he made us holy. Now Jesus came to destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil. Jesus didn't just die on the cross, which would be, you know, an amazing sacrifice but he rose again. (laughs) It didn't stop at the cross. He rose again and he defeated death and he defeated hell in the grave. And so now death, where is your sting and grave? Where is your victory, right? In the words of John in Revelation 1, 17 and 18, he said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not, I'm the first and the last and the living one. And behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys to death and Hades. Jesus came and was and is the faithful high priest who made atonement for our sins. The writer is making his appeal. Knowing, knowing all of this, he's saying, why in the world would you consider going back to the old system Jesus is here, and he alone is superior. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends. And as always, I want to encourage you and remind you to be rooted and grounded in God's word and fall in love with Jesus more and more every single day and stop your cherry picking.